0: little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. We're going to be looking at Psalms 51, and we're going to be looking at God's desire to make us holy and rescue us. And this uh, Psalm 51 was written when King David's adultery with Bathsheba was exposed. So think of this time in his life. David realizes that he got this, one of his main soldiers' wives pregnant while the guy was out fighting for David, fighting for the kingdom. And here, though he could have any woman, he chose to uh, keep looking at her when she was bathing naked. He chose to focus on that. The enemy came in and captured his mind. How many know, if you read about David, there's a lot of unclean stuff in David's family. If There, there was generational curses of unclean stuff in David's family, some really bad stuff. And we're not going to get into all that. We're just going to look at what he wrote, led by the Spirit, and how God can use that same thing that came in to, to cleanse him, to cleanse us. At the same time, remember, David had consequences. He, that baby died. Um, he, he, he went from that into murder. And he really sunk low before he turned around, right? He really sunk low to try to cover up his sin. So can I say this, let's quit covering up our sins. Let's quit justifying them. Let's quit covering up. And we have something really powerful that David was a foreshadow of because David knew how to go to God and get cleansed. Um, But they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Every person who's born again, everybody watching this, when you really ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, and ask him to forgive you your sins and say, Lord, take over. When that happens and the Holy Spirit comes in, he is there now to heal you, to set you free, and to deliver you, okay? He's there to take you back to everything in the past that's harmed you and heal those places. He came to heal the brokenhearted places, but he's going to bring healing and deliverance. He's not going to shame you. He's not going... He's going to make you face your fears, people, because only his perfect love cast out fear. How does his perfect love cast out fear? He takes you to that place that you're afraid that wounded you. And then you see him in the truth and you get rid of bitterness. You get rid of lies. He's amazing. And then Jesus came to heal the broken heart. First, he came to to bring salvation, which is uh, uh, preach. You basically bring salvation to the poor in spirit, which means those who aren't saved. If you're not saved, you're poor in spirit. It means your spirit's poor. To be rich in spirit, God has to come in. The second thing he came to do is to heal the brokenhearted. And most people seem to skip that in the church. You have to move in the gifts. You have to know, you have to flow with the Holy Spirit and then set the captives free, which is deliverance that will work every time open the eyes of the blind, creative miracles, helping people see what they can't see, helping entire cultures see what they can't see, helping people groups see what they can't see, helping people who are bound in all different kinds of lies. how many know our nation needs this, see what they can't see. And then he came to set at liberty the completely Um, those who cannot help themselves. To me, that's the people who are so strung out on drugs, they can't reason anymore. People who are are born with brain damage, people who go into dementia, people who absolutely cannot reason anymore. God even has power to set them free. How awesome is our God? How many know we need to really jump in and let God do this work in us because where he sets us free and comforts us, we are then called to take that to the nations we're called to take that to our families we're called to take that to our friends we're called if he sets you free if he really sets you free then then you're going to want to go share what he's done and if you don't it means there's a still area of bondage he wants you to get free from so that you can glorify him and and do his work he wants to rescue people okay we are not yet in the place where God wants to judge and kill everybody amen mercy triumphs over judgment The problem is the church doesn't realize how full of judgment she is and how little mercy she walks in because she doesn't really know what she deserves yet. And God is going to shake everything that can be shaken. So here we are, Psalm 51. All right, God gave me mercy from your foundation of forgiveness. God, give me mercy from your foundation of forgiveness. All right, I want everybody here and everybody watching to think of an area where you need mercy. Mercy is where God comes in and does for you what you don't deserve. In other words, you know that you sinned. You know that you yelled at somebody this morning. You know that you still have a temper. You know that you're still smoking. You know that you're still doing things you shouldn't do. You know that you need his mercy, right? Well, here's what, and remember what David did here is pretty lousy. And some people have done that. In the church, you have all kind of adultery and stuff going on. Not in this church, Hopefully. God, give me mercy from your foundation of forgiveness. So, Lord, from the very foundation of forgiveness, you know, everything is based that he came so he could forgive us. He didn't come so he could judge us. He came so that he could forgive us. If we get forgiven, guess what? He paid for our judgment. He doesn't say we're not guilty. Just get rid of that one. He basically comes and says, you're guilty but I took your punishment. There's a big difference in saying, oh, that's okay, you're not guilty versus you are guilty, but I paid your punishment. So I want you to stop and say, Lord, what things were, am I guilty of that I'd never asked for mercy? First, you have to admit you're guilty. That's why we can't justify. We're not going to get into all that. We have teaching on that. If you justify it, the blood can't touch it. If you justify it and you're praying for your children, but you justify their their perversions or you justify their anger or you justify their addictions and you justify it, guess what? You're not praying where the blood can touch it. How many know we need to get rid of the justifier? Amen. Amen. We're only justified one way in Christ. Why are we justified in Christ? Because he paid for it. He paid in full. That's why it was so painful what happened to him on the cross. That's why it was so painful, the whole walk to the cross, going to the grave, going to hell for us. Everything was so tormenting and horrific for him because he had to pay for all of our sins because we were all guilty. Not one. There's never been a person born who wasn't guilty of sin. But he paid for it get it? So we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to judge each other. We know it's paid for. We don't have to say, well, that's so bad. It doesn't matter how bad it is. He paid for it. Doesn't mean there won't be consequences in the natural, but it does mean as far as God's concerned, if they really repent and go to God, it's paid for. So what I want you to take time this morning and think, what is it that you need mercy for? Is there something you still need mercy for? This is good. This is good. Okay. Some of you have learned your whole life to justify. Well, if my dad had been there for me, well, if that person hadn't said that to me, well, if they would just do this, well, if I had had money, well, if I hadn't been forced into that, that's all justified, right? Mercy doesn't touch it. The blood doesn't cover it. Is everybody getting me? A victim mentality keeps you in bondage. A victim mentality keeps you in bondage. A victim mentality keeps you enslaved to sin. So when I get free from justifying and I repent for justifying and I move into asking for mercy. Okay, and I'm not going to get in all this. I'm not, at, it's not your business what that person who hurt you did. Okay, you're not their judge. You just, the part you have to deal with is what were the, what did you do with what happened to you? And anything you did with what the enemy did to you, anything you did with what the enemy did to you that wasn't led by Holy Spirit needs to be repented of and healed. you need healing and deliverance so you can do what God wants. Some people go and make a whole, a whole you know, series of helping people that has nothing to do with Christ. They go after good works to compensate for what happened to them. That will never cover the shame. That will never take the place of the blood of Christ. So you even have to repent for the good stuff you did trying to handle things. Because what? We want mercy. We want God's mercy to come. All right. I know your abandoned love is enough to wash away my guilt. How many know that? God's powerful love that was demonstrated on the cross washes away your guilt. He washes away. He doesn't say you didn't have it. He goes, let me take that guilt from you. Let me take that guilt from you. Then if somebody tries to bring up your past and you've really been washed from it, then you have a testimony. You know what? You're right. I get why you bring that up. But let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you how he set me free. Let me tell you how he could set you free. You know, we need to recognize people are drawn to us when we humble ourselves. But to humble ourselves and continue to sin is not really humbling ourselves. Don't justify your sin. I can see when people are justifying their sin because they begin to defend their sin and attack me. Or whoever's points it out. Or God's word, wherever he points it out. Okay. If something hits you in the scripture and it bugs you, you need to ask God, why is this bothering me? And a lot of times, you know, he'll show you. He'll show you scriptures to to confirm what he's really saying is okay in your life. He'll also show you where it's not okay. I know your abundant love is enough to wash away my guilt. How many know that? How many thinks he needs to do more than just die for you and go to hell for you and, and be separated from the Father for you and pay all this price? How many thinks he needs to do more than that? Anybody? No. So you recognize, okay, that was way more than enough. How prideful is it to think that wasn't enough? He went through everything you ever went through and more so that he could release an anointing on you to be set free. That's merciful. That's merciful that he went through all that to set me free. All right. Because, of your, compassion, because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of sin. So we see a theme here that there's this guilt that tries to come at us. How do you know if you still have guilt? Because the enemy can get you into con- um, condemnation. Really fast, he can get you out of the kingdom. All What's what's signs that the enemy's getting you into condemnation? You start to defend yourself. You start to blame someone else. Like for David, I'm not saying David would say, "Well, she shouldn't have been bathing up there naked," or you know, um, her husband. When I brought him back, he should have slept with her, so I wouldn't had to kill him. And and you know, all these things. You begin to justify. You begin to justify um, to cover your guilt. Okay. You, God's not asking God's asking you to forgive them of their part in it. What does that mean? That means, Lord, it's between you and them. I hate the devil that operated, but I don't want that in me. Then He wants you to look at what you've done. There's there's some people who, who go through, let's say they get sexually abused, but then they choose to go homosexual lifestyle, or they choose. Nowadays you have people choosing to be trans. They don't know who they are. They don't know if they want to be a man or a woman. They don't want to be anything. You know, they just hate the whole idea of intimacy, even though the Lord made it as an awesome gift. And so you have that. Then you have those who run out and want to sleep with everybody and anything and get addicted to the whole idea of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's different ways that people react to being abused. You forgive the person who abused you and you put it in God's hands. You have to start there. There's, there's no grace until you do that. You hate the devil that operated in that person, but you give that person to the Lord. doesn't mean you ever have to have a relationship with them again. It just means you want God to have a relationship with them. But then you have to stop and look at the choices you made after that. Did you make a choice not to tell anybody? Did you make a choice? Was there anything that uh, got some pleasure out of it? Because that's how God created us to have um, appetites for pleasure because he's a good God. He wants us to enjoy this life. That's the part you have to take the time with God and say, okay, God, I want to be totally cleansed. I want to be cleansed of anything. Did you decide you hated it? Did you decide you hated God? Are you getting what I'm talking about? I told you this was going to be a deep dive this morning. Okay. You've got to get real with your response. Okay. Your response is the place where you could sin. Okay. He paid for that sin. There's no condemnation. Nobody else is saying we would have done it different. You don't compare yourself. How many know it's about you getting free? It's about you getting free. How many want to be free? Okay, you can take this to things that aren't this heavy duty. Okay, you can take this to things that aren't this heavy duty. But this is kind of what David's talking about, right? David's talking about he really sinned against Bathsheba because he was the one who had the authority to make her do whatever he wanted. Because that's how it was set up back then. And then he killed her husband. He did these things. And he he would still have that guilt until he gives it to Christ. So anywhere you have guilt is an area that you have to go and visit with Jesus, right? Guilt is going to continue to torment you and draw you into the things of the enemy. Now, if there's guilt and shame, I encourage you to talk to somebody that you trust. I prefer men talk with men and women talk with women if it's a guilt issue, um, I really recommend you have two people there that you don't just tell one person and bring them into a secret and cause a soul tie. And I, I it's somebody who knows how to handle it biblically. And so when we get in groups or things and, and some, that's one thing reason we have altar calls because you can come up and repent and without getting into details, you're still breaking off that shame. You're still breaking off that shame. And, um, since this is our YouTube, I'm going to tell a story now. And most of you know me have heard this, but I just, it just came into my spirit to tell this. So years and years ago, I was at this big church. It was a revival going. There were at least a thousand people there and my book was in the bookstore and I was getting some honor in this church. And after being dishonored at another place and um, I'm there and during the revival, they always would have an altar call and they would they would kind of, I'd say, they'd make the altar calls usually so anybody could go. So they might start with a hard topic like, "Come up if you did this," and then, "Okay, well, if you thought about doing this, you can come up." Or and they, and they get it all the way down to, "If you want to recommit your life to the Lord." So, so when the thousand people came up, you didn't know what was what. Okay, so then that was pretty much the pattern, which is fine. So the Lord told me before I went to the meeting this night, tonight. And they also would do altar calls, like if you're hungry for God or if you want to go on the mission field. Or, so there were really, yay, altar calls and really, ooh, altar calls, right? So this night, the Lord said to me before I even went, I want you to go up to the altar call tonight. I said, okay. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. They're going to be praying for people who want to be in ministry or prophesying over people. I'm all excited. So I get there, and the whole topic is on homosexuality and being a hypocrite and living two lives like in the church you put on a good show but in your own personal life you're living in homosexuality okay and I'll honestly say I've never lived in homosexuality it's never been an issue of mine at all it's never even been um even anything that I can even think God even wrap my brain around okay so I'm there and he's he goes I'm not changing the topic so he's preached this all night and I'm thinking wow Lord this is different and all I knew was I was supposed to go up to the altar call so then, um, and this was quite a few years ago. Right now, people, you know, we've tried to normalize that behavior instead of helping people get free. And so finally, the altar call came, and he goes, so tonight, and he said, I'm giving this one altar call only. And I goes, I, he said, I know this is going to be hard for some of you because some of you, uh, people think you're ministers. Some of you, people have no idea that you live with this hypocritical life. And I'm sitting there having this talk with God in my head like, wait a minute, Lord, I am not practicing homosexuality. I am not. You, you don't want me to go up and lie, do you? Do you want me to go up there in front of everybody and, and act as if I'm practicing something I'm not? So... How me know I'm getting a little bit like, I wish I hadn't come tonight, <laughs> you know? So, so he does the altar call and he's very, it's very noisy. He goes, come up. And, and I was like, I'm, I'm not going up there. And only about slowly about four or five people came up out of, of probably a thousand there, or at least seven or 800, whatever, about four went up. And I'm thinking, okay, he's going to bring this down. And he goes, I'm telling you, I'm not changing this altar call tonight. It takes a lot to come up here and to stand in front of all these people. Uh, if you want to give free. And I'm like, God, I'm like, God. And all I knew is the Lord's like, you know what I told you. And I'm thinking, how could you do this to me? So finally, uh, <laughs> I think, oh God. And so, and why am I telling you this? Because it's true. And some of you have yet to hear God to do the hard things. And so I walk to the side and I slowly go up to the to the edge and I'm thinking oh my god I just have a book I have a book in the bookstore I have a ministry and I don't practice homosexuality in any way shape or form never have and here I am confessing it in front of all these people and it's not I said Lord what am I doing I'm obeying God so I get up there one of the hardest one of the hardest things I've ever done and the Lord says to me now look at these other people and I did he says your sin is worse than theirs I said what He said your sin your pride your pride that you think you're better than them your pride that you don't want to be associated with them is worse you know me you walk with me you hear me I empower you you've seen miracles and yet when I tell you to go up and identify and identify go up and humble yourself you wouldn't do it it took me three or four times before you would obey me he says your sin is worse than theirs and I started weeping. I actually started weeping. I said, "Oh God, forgive me. God, forgive me." He said, "If it had been that you lied or you had done something else, you know, you you probably would have come up a lot sooner." So then they went to minister to each person, and nobody came to me. I don't know if to this day if anybody saw me. I don't know if God made me invisible. Not one person came from the church to ask me about it. Not anyone said anything about my book being in the bookstore. I don't know, maybe God made me invisible. I don't know. Or maybe people, I, I have no idea. I just know I burst out crying and I realized how prideful I had become. We cannot rescue people if we think we're better than people. We gotta get free from self-righteousness. He says, because your compassion is, okay, where's, the, where's that scripture? Jesus hung on the cross for all of our sin. He became that sin. If we want to rescue people we have to not did Jesus participate in any of that sin no he didn't participate in that sin yet he identified with that sin to set people free and heal them I'm not talking about lying I'm talking about getting a heart to see yourself that you're not better than to see yourself that you're not better than to go to people with compassion Because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways and er erase this deep stain on my conscience. How many of you need God to do that? How many know the air condition is too cold? (laughs) Thank you. Because your compassion is so great, take away this shameful guilt of sin. Forgive the full extent of my rebellious ways. Erase this deep stain on my conscience. So I had told those who are here and those who are watching to write down anything God would show you that you still have shame about. Anything that would be so hard to get up and let anyone know you ever participated in. It doesn't mean he's going to require you to do it. It does mean that shame still comes up and Satan controls you with it. Satan knows if I could get this out, he, he has a way to hurt you. He has a way to make you for you to try to justify. And if God wants you to share with somebody something that would be really hard to share, but he wants you free enough to be able to share it to help someone, he wants you to be able to do that. He doesn't want Satan to say, ha ha, if I let anybody know this, oh, if that person ever comes forward and says this. And how many has seen a lot of this happening in in our nation? God's exposing things that maybe happened years and years and years ago. Well, guess what? Whatever, Satan still has shame. If Satan holds shame on you, it's going to get exposed, but it's not going to be your testimony that God's given you for his glory. It's going to be Satan trying to destroy you. So we need to give these shameful things to God. We need to really give them. We want his forgiveness to, to go to these rebellious ways. We want him to erase this deep stain on our conscience. Erase, let me see what it says in them. Um, let me go to the amplified. <clears throat> According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. And he goes, then this is an amplified, for I am conscious of my transgressions, and I acknowledge them. My sin is always before me. Okay, until we deal with it, it's always before us. Until we deal with it, it's always standing in the way, isn't it? You start to go a certain place and all of a sudden the enemy uses that area where there's shame to bring a temptation. He uses that area to make you feel like you messed up. He uses that area. He still has control in your life. Jesus took our shame. He took our shame. So so I just want you, and if it's cleansed, it's cleansed. Okay, don't, don't. Go pull back something that you don't even think of anymore. Praise God. But ask the Lord right now. And those who are watching, ask the Lord, Holy Spirit right now. Any area where there's shame. Any area where if somebody found out, it w- it would, the devil would try to use it to devastate you. Try to ruin relationships. Any area of shame. Shame of what was done to you and shame of what you did to someone else. Or shame of how you responded. Any area of shame. Any air area of guilt. Lord, your word says, because your compassion is so great, because your great love for us. Lord, you loved us knowing we'd, we would do these things. You loved us knowing we'd participate in these things. Lord, you loved us knowing these things would happen to us. And you just love us so much, you want to set us free. You want to cover us, God, with your great love. You want to cleanse us. You want to cleanse us and make us whole. Lord, we break off all justifiers. We break off every wall we've placed to hide that shame. We break off every spirit we had come in to try to keep that thing hidden. Lord, we break off every place of hiding that. I just want you to see yourself tearing down walls you put up or curtains. I just want you to take that shameful thing just out of hiding right now. Whatever it is, maybe more than one thing. I just want you to see yourself (laughs) taking that thing up and just sticking it on the altar before God. Here it is, Jesus. Here it is. This is how I reacted to that. This is what I looked at. This is how I felt about that. This is what I tried to get started. This is what I did. This is how I talked about my parents. This is what I did. This is the drug. This is how low I went, God. This is what happened to me and how much I hated God. And then I walked in that Lord. Here it is. Here it is, God. Some of you got a really big pile on that altar, don't you? Just pile it all on. Pile it all on. Some of you did things with your brothers and your sisters. Some of you hurt neighbors. Some of you did things to your kids, the way you punished them, the way you beat them, the way you had no time for them. Some of you were in relationships with people you knew you shouldn't be in relationships. Some of you were in, into such perversions in the sexual arena that you, you just never wanted anybody to know. Let me tell you, let me tell you, if you don't bring this stuff to the altar and let God take care of it, the devil will revisit it on your children. It'll be a, it's probably already a generational curse, but it's going to go deeper to the next generation. And you cannot do enough in trying to control things to stop that. You need to break this off right now. Has everybody got pretty much on the altar (laughs) so Lord we bring this before you because you have compassion we want you to take away this shameful guilt of sin Lord we want you to forgive all of our rebellious ways now Lord we ask you to erase this deep stain on my conscience and I just see all that you just put on the altar is being completely burned away by the fire of God by the passion of God, by the love of God, completely burnt down till there's not even ashes left. And it's just you there. You're standing there. And now the Lord says, look at me. And now you look up at him. He says, you can look at me now. I already paid for that before you ever did it. I already set you free before you ever asked. Now be free from guilt, be free from shame, be completely free, get out of condemnation and come into my kingdom. Oh, he goes on for, I'm so ashamed. I feel such pain and anguish within me. I can't get away from the sting of my sin against you, Lord. I want everybody to see this. I want you to really see this. When you participated in these things, when you hate it, when you blame God, whatever you did, you were coming against God. You were coming against Jesus. You were coming against your Lord. That's called bitterness. I want us to just corporately ask him to forgive us for being bitter against him. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for blaming you for what the enemy did to me. Please forgive me for blaming myself, for blaming myself. And, hating and hating you. Lord, Satan did these things, did things. or demonic spirits. Demonic spirit. Some that I, w- said yes to, some I said yes to, and some I didn't want to participate. Want to. But, all but all of it was demonic. And you've set me free, set me free. from the power, the, the power of the enemy. Thank you. Thank you. And I break the power. Of blaming you God. And I command all this shame out of me. And the sting of sin. Has lost its power. He goes on he says Lord everything I did I did right in front of you. For you saw it all. Everything you ever did he saw it. Everything you're still doing he sees it. And he still loves you. This is the main thing. Against you and you above all else have I sinned. Even though you hurt other people with your sin, your parents, your spouse, your kids, your own self, people who cared about you, you have to go to the place of recognizing, I hurt Jesus. I hurt God. My sin hurt God. Holy Spirit, we ask for a spirit of conviction to come into this place. And those who are watching that they can totally be free from, the sh- from just the whole assignment of the enemy to be bitter against you, to get the spirit of bitterness out of us. Lord, we break off the lies where God could have stopped it. We break off the lies he doesn't care. We break off the lies it's not sin to him. We break those off right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us for hurting you. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Forgive, me forgive me for hurting you. For sinning against you. Give me the fear of the Lord. I don't want to sin against you. In my words. In my thoughts. In my actions. I ask you to forgive me. In Jesus name. Amen. I want everybody to really see this. It's against God and him above all else that you've sinned. People just, so many people act as if Jesus isn't real and doesn't have real feelings and doesn't have real pain and real emotion and that our sin doesn't really hurt him. Our sin really hurts him. If you have a child and your child comes against you and your child talks bad about you or your child lies about you or your child does things you know you taught them not to and somehow they try to make it look like your fault, how many know that hurts? How much more? Is that magnified against Jesus? How much more is that magnified against our Lord? Now he goes on, everything you say to me is true, Lord, and your judgment conquers me. So when God points something out in his word, when he points something out, guess what? It's true. Don't justify it. Bring it to the cross. See, we've been, we've been programmed by the enemy To try to hide our sin. We've been programmed by the enemy to try to blame somebody else. We've been programmed by the enemy to do anything but take it to the cross. Our entire culture reveals the church has not been taking things to the cross. Our culture could not be this (coughs) corrupt, this perverted. The spirit of whoredom couldn't be so big if the church had really dealt with these things. Because this nation is a Christian nation. Every nation looks like the church in that nation. And guess what? The church in the nation includes every single person who's born again, living in that nation. I mean, no, God's got we got a lot of um, yielding to Holy Spirit to set us free. We want to be holy because he's holy. We want a holy God. We want that to visit our children. We don't want it to be works. We want it to be by his spirit. He's amazing. His great love for us. He wants to give you a real new start old things are passed away. He wants to dig deep today. He wants to go so deep that the spirit of perversion or the spirit of whoredom or the spirit of sexual sin, whatever you want to call it, the bio, there's he just shows me whoredom. It's like a spirit where you just go around and what God's intention for sexual relationship and the whole idea has been so messed up and so perverted and so abused that that spirit tries to get around everything. How many know it's all in our school systems? It's on every entertainment. It's even in the church. It's amazing that something like that, and I'm not going to get into it. You can look at some of the teaching. There's a reason the enemy picks that because it's one of the greatest gets. God gives a husband and a wife to have children, to raise them godly. It represents our heavenly father and how much he wants a family and how pure and holy uh, it's supposed to all be. It looks like anything but that nowadays in our culture. It's gotten so perverted, so perverted. And God says, if you want to save your nation, if you want to save and rescue the young people, instead of judging them Let me dig deep. Let me go deep. Let me deep dive in you today and heal these places in you. Bring your shame there. Bring the things you never want them to find out about you and give it to me and let it be cleansed. So you can help them come to him and get cleansed. Get rid of the hypocrisy. All right. Lord, I've I've been a sinner from my birth, from the moment my mother conceived me. And that's where we're born in iniquity. So everyone has sinned. Even little babies, I don't know for sure how, but I'm thinking they're already having thoughts that are rebellious. They don't know God. You know, they're fussing for things. They're living for self. You know what I'm saying? But we're born into sin. We're, think about it, We're not born already all happy and smiley and wanting to please and serve our parents and do everything right and thinking God is great, right? We're born without a knowledge of God. We're born into sin. We're born into iniquity. That's why we have to be saved. That's why you want to really start teaching your children about the Lord and, a, and who he really is at a really young age. And you need to get all these issues out of your heart. What you don't want to do is say, well, because I did this, then it's okay. Most, most of us should get when we start having children to realize, wow, that really wasn't okay. Oh, Lord, please don't let that visit my kids and my grandkids. And how many know just based on spiritual law, it comes back worse. And that's where the Lord's like, I got to dig deep and cleanse a people to have authority for this generation, to have authority to heal, who really mean it, who really know, Lord, if I had it all to do again, knowing you, I would do it different. I would do it led by your spirit. Everything would be different. Instead of justifying our sin, just because he's a good, good God. So someone gets pregnant and they're not married. He's still a good God. His ways are if you get pregnant, you're going to have a baby. And then because of shame and guilt, that's how it started. That's how abortion started. Abortion really started because people were ashamed for anyone to know that they had sex and they weren't married. Then it became more of for financial reasons or now you start getting the devil just goes deeper and deeper to lie to you and say well it's not really a baby and to lie to you and it's going to mess up your life and all of a sudden life means almost nothing and then we wonder why our nation has so much murder and violence we wonder why life seems to mean nothing and I'm not going to get into it but I tell you watching this young couple in our church fight for their baby's life from the minute they found out how the devil had attacked that baby um its heart, its brain, everything, and to watch them fight. And they want this baby to live. They want this child to have the call that God has on his life. They want this child to be made whole. They want this child. They're not taking the lies that we'll all just have another one. We need to break off these lies. Every life is extremely important because God has a plan for it. Amen. Because God is the one who, who's the author and finisher. God's the one who made them. And anywhere the devil gets in the way, the power of God and the faith in God can bring healing and wholeness. And we've got to quit believing anything else. God is raising up a people who are willing to stand and believe for what God's word says. Without judging and being self-righteous. So, Lord, I've been a sinner from birth from the moment my mother conceived me. Let me just say, and this will, this will get me in so much trouble. You do not have a scripture that says every baby that was aborted went to heaven. If they had sin in them from conception... What do I personally think about it? I personally think if their name was in the Lamb's Book of Life and he knew that their parents were going to accept him one day and they knew if they had a life they would have said yes to him and if they knew that that they would be in heaven, I don't think the parent can take that from them. But I can't prove that. I do know anyone I've ever ministered to who had an abortion and the Lord showed me their child in heaven, which has happened a lot of times, they were so happy to hear that their child was in heaven. I was able to describe them in amazing detail sometime. And why would I say that? Because we need to quit making everybody think that just kill the baby. It'll go to heaven and it'll be better than having a life on earth. Because you can't prove that with scripture. Oh, I know. I get it. I, if you can't prove it with scripture, how do you know you're Right. What if telling the truth that we don't know based on scripture and people cry out for mercy and ask God to save them and really repent, maybe that God knew that was going to happen and then their baby's name would be in the Lamb's book of life. See, all he ever shows me, the people who accept Christ and give their lives over to him. But you know what? They carry that guilt and they carry that fear and they carry that shame and then they do all these things to act like they don't and that's where we have so much perversion. We've got to get back into truth. And and I'm not saying that they all don't go to heaven. I'm saying the word does not tell us. I'm saying the word says we're conceived in sin. I'm saying iniquity is in every single human being until they accept Jesus Christ as Lord. But I do know there's a book of life that God wrote and he knew who was going to accept him. And I don't believe this is my personal belief that he's powerful enough to know if they hadn't made this mistake, if they hadn't followed this lie, if they hadn't just done something for themselves, this, they would have found me and their baby would have found me and they would be in heaven. Otherwise, seriously, why don't we just kill everybody? Then everybody gets to go to heaven. Of course, things would end really quick, but at least everybody would be in heaven. The truth is life is really a very powerful gift from God for people to make a choice. To find him and to live for him, or to make a choice not to. So, when we say, um, I believe in choice, when they call it choice, they're literally taking away the choice of a human being to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. How many are thankful for God's mercy? See, God already knows if you're going to ever ask him for mercy. This is a better reason than ever to get saved if you've had an abortion. Because you don't know. People act like no matter what, they're going to get to heaven, everybody's there. Can I tell you that's not true? The way is narrow. Can I say that God is merciful, but it comes with repentance? And David's going to be in heaven, but David really repented. David had to repent for murder, and then he lost this baby. But he knew, he says in scripture, he knows he'll see that baby again. And I just really encourage everyone who's ever participated in abortion. Guys, if you paid for it or didn't stand up for your baby, you're just as guilty. You need the blood of Christ to cover that. While I'm having fun with this, I'm not really having fun with this. I think it's disgusting when men won't pay for their kids after they had them and try everything they can to get out of paying for them. Men should pay more than what the courts want because it's their child. Because God's watching how they handle that. You know, we've, made, we've dumped this on women too long. And women, I think it's horrific that a woman could kill a baby when the father wants it and would raise it. Who are you to do that to somebody? And supposedly all because of an act of love? How ridiculous is this? How many see how perverted things have gotten? How far away from God, how far away from the truth. Life is a powerful gift. He gives every person that he gives life to is so they can accept him and decide their destiny. And to take that from them and act as if there's no big deal in that. We, we need some real repentance. We need repentance when these people are walking around in such perversion and such reprobate that they demonstrate having an abortion with a bloody doll and then act like it's it's ha-ha. We have gone to a new level of such wickedness and perversion and I want to see those people saved. I want to see those people in those parades saved. I want to see them saved. How miserable and tormenting is it to get so, so evil? We need to rescue people. So right now, Lord, anyone listening to this who ever had an abortion, who ever paid for an abortion, who had never stood up for their child, Lord God, I ask right now that, Lord God, they would cry out to you to forgive them. And Lord, that they would understand even as you forgave David, and even as because you forgave David and David cried out, David knew he'd see his son again. Lord, I pray that right now you already know who was going to hear this. You already know everything. I'm so thankful that you know everything. I'm so thankful that you knew who would accept you. I'm so thankful that you have a book where you have the names written of those who would accept you. And nothing is going to put somebody in that book that you didn't already have in that book because you already knew their life choices. So, Father, we repent for trying to teach itchy ear preaching that would make everybody think that everybody's in heaven. I said of the fear of the Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for every person who has repented of abortion, for every person I personally ministered to. Many of them, you showed me the revelation of their child in heaven. You're so faithful, but you knew there'd be that day that they'd be saying yes to Jesus. I don't know what would have happened had that day never come for them. And I pray right now that day will come for everyone listening to this, Jesus, please forgive me my sins. Set us free. We've sinned against you, God. And in your great compassion, take away the shame, take away the guilt, deliver us and heal us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching.